0: Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through the middle of verse 4. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women. Let's pause right there and pray. Lord God, would you bless us and teach us as we study your holy word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. When Paul left Titus on the island of Crete, he intended that Titus would straighten out a few problems. You see, false teachers were doing damage in the church. How do we know? Well, our first scripture, Titus 1.11 says, They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. Some of the false teachers, Paul said, were upsetting entire families. Literally, Something about the falseness of the Cretan teachers was turning households upside down. Something about the the Cretan culture connecting to false teaching was destroying families. Well, here we are. It's 2,000 years, give or take, after Paul wrote this. Does it seem that different to you? Is false teaching attacking the family and the world we live in? Yeah. We live in a culture full of false teachings about life. We live among a people that's doing everything, that are doing everything that they can to turn the biblical understanding of the family, of manhood, of womanhood, all the rest, upside down. And we need to hear the call that Paul wrote to Titus. Look at Titus chapter 2, verse 1. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Begins with the word but. Paul has just told us how bad the false teachers are. But, and and, and he's told us that they they need to be silenced. They're destined for destruction, he says. But in contrast to those evil false teachers on Crete, Titus is supposed to do something different. Titus is to teach that which is in line with sound, healthy doctrine. Now, if, if you just saw that false teachers are doing damage, that the Christian leader ought to teach sound, healthy doctrine, you probably would expect we're about to get a description of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, wouldn't you? After all, false teachers, they bring in myths, they were bringing in superstitions, they had brought superstition man-made religion into the faith, and Paul's going to talk about that. And Paul's going to give us the gospel, but he's not going to bring it back until he gives us nine full verses on something else. Instead of a theology lecture here, Paul points Titus toward crucial biblical thinking and living in the first century household, the family. Here in Titus chapter 2, verses 2 to 10, we'll see five key areas... Paul calls on Titus to teach sound doctrine by instructing all of the people in a household to live lives that point to God. Paul's going to aim the teaching at older men, older women, younger women, younger men, and first century household slaves. So the point for you and me today and next week, Lord willing, is that we, if we know Jesus, Please understand, by the way, when I say this stuff, I'm not saying that you have to behave well to get to know Jesus. I'm saying that if you belong to Christ, your life should be marked by that knowledge, by that change. And if we know Jesus, we should examine our lives to see if our lives are pointing others to God, if we have Christian character in our households. So today, we're going to look at the Word of God addressed to older men and older women in the home. And we'll plan to talk about the younger folks in the household and the household slaves next week. So let's talk about older men. This would be point one if it was a point, but you get the idea, right? Older men. Look at verse 2, Titus 2.2. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. So opening the discussion, Paul addresses the older men of the church. And much like the qualifications for church leadership you saw in chapter 1, verses 5 to 9, Paul lists several things that ought to mark the lives of men who are older saints. So here's the first question I think we all want to know the answer to. How old is older? what do you guys think, by the way? Anybody want to throw a number out at me what you think is older? I'd love to hear it. <laughs> you know, you can't call somebody older based on a particular number. Not really. Human lifespans, those have changed over the years, haven't they? The age at which people are expected to act as adults has changed throughout the years. It's changed throughout cultures. The Bible commentators that I read seemed to believe that the older saints are those whose kids were out of the house. That might be the way the word older is being used here. And one of the ways they know that is some of the the contrast with the younger has more in the house family stuff. So if we take that as true, older men here would be men who are not busy being dads to kids still in the house. So first of all, I'm not older. (laughs) Now, if you made me pick an age for our culture when older men hit that new stage of life, well, what could it be? It could be from your 50s in your mid-50s. How old are you when your kids leave the house? Some of you all are going, please, (laughs) let me know. Some men will hit that stage of life earlier because they began their families earlier. Some will come to it later. The Greek word for older here it's a very similar word to the word that's used for elders in chapter 1. And men who qualify as older men in the church should be the kind of men whose life experience and their maturity has given them some wisdom and earned them respectability. The Bible often speaks of gray hair As a sign of wisdom, and it often commands that we treat older men with special respect. Let me show you a few verses. Leviticus 19.32 You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. Or, Proverbs 16.31 Gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. Or Proverbs 20, 29, the glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. You know, many of us are becoming more and more fond of verses in the Bible that speak well of gray hair. Now, I'm going to give you a side note. I didn't put this verse in the PowerPoint for you guys. Some of us are learning to love Leviticus 13 verse 40 which says if a man's hair falls out from his head he is bald he is clean that's a verse of the Bible I heard a couple amens what's the point of the gray hair verses the Bible expects that as you age men or women you'll grow in wisdom as you become older your life should grow in wisdom. But, and I want you to understand this truth, growing old in a godly way does not happen passively. Young people, don't lose this, because you need to know this. Titus is going to have to teach older men and older women because it is difficult to age As your body gets older, things start happening to you that can be distracting and discouraging. And the only way that you are going to age well is if you go after it in godliness. I want to show you something. King Solomon wrote this way back in the book of Ecclesiastes about 3,000 years ago. Look at Ecclesiastes 12. We'll start at verses 1 and 2, and I believe we've got those for you. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. Solomon, the wisest man, we say, right? Wisest king. He warns us, focus on God, serve God well, especially while you are young. Don't waste your youth. Because harder days are coming. He calls them evil days of no pleasure. So what's going to come to you as you age? Let's talk about it. How about it? Do you guys think the Bible knows what happens to us as we age? I want you to listen to these verses. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 3 through 5. What day is it? in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They're afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Let me ask you, first of all, does that sound like aging to you? Some of you are going, I have no idea what you just said. Ecclesiastes is poetry, I'll give you that, so all that was a little poetical. But what's being talked about there, referring to aging, it's actually not complicated. Let me take you back through it. The Bible said, Solomon said, when you get old, the keepers of the house tremble. The strong men are bent. That's a reference to as you get older, your legs get shakier. How many of you all would agree that that happens as you get older, your legs don't do what they used to do? Amen, right? Okay. And the grinders cease because they're few. Anybody want to guess what that means? You lose your teeth. (laughs) The grinders cease because they are few. Okay. And those who look through the windows are dimmed. Your eyesight starts to go. How many of y'all remember the first time that you needed to use reading glasses? <laughs> How many remember hiding it? Like, I don't really need these. These are somebody else's. Those don't belong to me. And the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low. Your hearing's going. And one rises up at the sound of a bird. So even though your hearing starts to go, noises that you hear scare you easier, and they make you jumpy. Anybody identify with that one, that now you're scared by loud sounds? Yeah. And all the daughters of song are brought low. Maybe maybe musical performances become more difficult to enjoy. I mean, be honest. How many of you know that modern music stinks? You know it. They are afraid of what is high. Terrors are in the way. There's more fears. You know what? As you get older, life just gets scarier. Doesn't it? Why do you people, by the way, when life gets scarier, keep watching the news? (laughs) But isn't it true that things you weren't afraid of when you were young are kind of scary now? Some people become scared of heights when they weren't scared of heights before. Then there's this last one, the almond, or this one, the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails. That is a reference to a decrease in physical desire and virility as a man ages. If you don't know what that means, I will not tell you. Because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets and as, what's that? As you age, your friends die. Y'all, as you get older, there become way too many funerals of classmates, former co-workers, other people who you thought, that person's pretty young. You ever watch it, all of a sudden you think the star of like all the movies of your childhood just died, and you're like, well, this feels Weird. In the next three verses, Solomon will point out that you will realize as you age that your time on earth is short and limited. And in that realization, you're going to realize just how futile many of the things are that people spend their lives chasing after. It doesn't mean anything. Have you watched as you get older? Have you noticed that there's so many people out there that are chasing after things that mean absolutely nothing in the light of even 10 years, much less eternity? Then verses 13 and 14 of Ecclesiastes 12. We'll put these up for you if they're there. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of men. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. What's the final word that Solomon gives us as we age? Why does he close the book of Ecclesiastes? As you think about life, As you face death, stand strong in what matters. Fear God. Obey the word of God. Do not let yourself get bogged down with the ways that your body is changing and falling apart on you. Set your mind on eternity. I would tell you, Christians, do not age passively. Walk your latter years with your eyes firmly set on what matters. Particularly, Solomon says, be ready to face the judgment of God. And I want to say to you, I really hope that you are ready to face the judgment of God. But if you think you can face God's judgment by being strong, by being good, you're not right. The only way you can be ready to meet God, the only way I can be ready to meet God is by while you still live, turn to Jesus Christ to find mercy and forgiveness. Because the good news is Jesus will eagerly forgive and save anybody who comes to him in faith and repentance. Know that you're a sinner. I am too. Know that Jesus is your only hope, not Jesus plus your goodness, not Jesus plus your faithfulness, not Jesus plus your participation in a ceremony. Just Jesus alone is your only way to be forgiven. Turn your life over to Jesus. Ask Jesus, Lord Jesus, please save my soul, and he will do so, and he will prepare you for eternity in the presence of the Lord. You know, I, I always find myself a little hesitant when we talk about one group in the church in the way that we're beginning to, right? I start get pointed targeting one section of the congregation. Older men. It gets kind of easy for people to check out and not listen. right? So Ben, don't do that. Maybe you're a younger man. So maybe you think, oh, none of this applies to me. (laughs) Maybe you're a lady. You're like, I'm not an old man. Good. But I want to ask you, stick with me here, okay? Younger men, you're supposed to grow into being old men. That's your job. Work on getting old. As you see what Paul wants Titus to teach other men to be, know that they are supposed to be things that mark the life that you wish you could grow into. Ladies, knowing what the Bible gives us as a picture of mature, godly manhood, that's not a bad thing for you to know. And by the way, God's going to call you something very similar, so I'd pay attention if I were you. Maybe, ladies, you will have sons that you want to train toward this example. Maybe you've got a husband who needs a little encouragement toward godliness. Lots of reasons why every one of us needs to see these godly character qualities. Even as we realize they're qualities that should be present in the lives of older men who love Jesus. Now, let's go back to Titus 2, two. You just went through my tangent on general aging. Titus 2.2, Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older men, here's what God calls you to be in your home in the local church. Young men, this is what God calls you to grow into. We get six things that ought to be true of you if you're going to honor Christ. The first three have to do with solid, serious character. First one, sober-minded. Literally, the Greek word there is the word for sober or temperate. That means both A, if you're going to be a godly older man, you can't be a drunk. B, you're going to keep your mind clear and unencumbered by all sorts of things that could clutter it. Sober-minded men are not given to damaging excess in what you drink or how you think. You're going to have solid boundaries set up. You're going to have solid, safe borders in places. You will not let your mind go. Which means, number one, you're not given to drunkenness, but if you're sober, you don't let your mind go to where you daydream about sexual immorality either. Can't do it and be a godly older man. A sober-minded man is certainly not going to let his mind be clouded by, drink, clouded by drink or drugs to the point that he is not wise or the point that he is not in control. He's not going to let any hobby, any pleasure, any habit start having control in his life. A sober man does not spend his days yelling at the TV. That means you don't don't spend your days focused only on yelling at the ball game or at the news channel, whichever news channel is your preference. If that's all you do with your day, your day is not being used to the glory of God. Nothing wrong with the ball game, nothing wrong with knowing the news. But if that's all you do, you are missing it as a godly older man. Sober men love good things in proper moderation. But I will tell you again, sober men will not fill their minds with evil. Part of being temperate is to keep your mind uncluttered from filthy movies and evil thoughts. Next is dignified, which is serious, grave, respectable, worthy of respect. Dignified means that you do not act a fool in the community, and certainly you're not given to dirty jokes and crude or childish jesting. There is a silliness, there's a frivolity that can mark people in their youth that you work on growing out of as you wish to be a solid, dignified man of God. Again, I think you realize, because if you know me, you know me, I'm not saying it's not okay to have fun. I would never be a never laugh kind of person. I wouldn't be good at it. But giggling all the time and not taking life seriously will prevent others from being able to take you seriously. Self-controlled, that's exactly what you expect those words to mean. Have your mind, have your attitude, have your Have your actions under control in accord with the word of God. Part of of living as a young person often was, if I remember my youth, not worrying a whole lot about what was or wasn't in control. Do y'all remember er, er, times of life when you really weren't that worried about what was under control? But as you grow up, you realize that you are responsible for the things that you say. You're responsible for how your words impact other people. You're responsible for how your choices impact your life and the lives of others. And then we have three more attributes that are connected to the word sound. Like the word for sound doctrine that we've seen earlier. You are to be sound, solid, healthy, honestly hygienic. Sometimes it works like that. You're to be sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. What's it mean to be sound in faith? Believe in the word of God and the God of the word. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. You guys should know this verse anyway. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of what's hoped for. As you age, as you get older, men, grow more and more sound in your trust that the future promises of God will come to pass. Heaven is absolutely real Jesus will absolutely return God will be victorious aren't you glad to know that in a world we've messed up as much as we have faith is also the evidence or the conviction of things unseen and that could be pointing us to the fact that faith is also believing things in the past that God told you about in Scripture, but which you didn't get to see with your eyes. You know what, folks? There is nothing, skept- or nothing special, nothing how cool I am, about growing skeptical of the Word. I spent time over this last week talking to a young man. He was hungry to grow. But what he was reading were books that were aiming him towards skepticism. I'm like, man... Why don't you put those down and pick up things that will make you love the Lord and love his word first. If you feel like you need to learn how to defend the faith against the skeptics later, get after it. But don't start there. And surely don't, as you age, think that you make yourself better by increasing in doubt. Believe the word of God. Believe that God created this world. Believe that Jesus Christ came to die for your sins and for all who will come to him in faith. Believe the miracles that they really happened exactly as the Bible says they happened. Believe that God's ways are perfect. I think, Anthony, it was probably you that said it the other day. Favorite Bible verse, Genesis 1:1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Was that you? Why? Because if you can believe that, There's nothing else in that book that's hard to believe, is there? If you know God made this world out of nothing, you can trust all the miracles and all the promises. As you grow, have conviction about things you cannot see, knowing that God's word is perfect and God's word is sound. The next is be sound in love. Love God, love others. And when you think about love, yes, include a good emotion, no doubt about it. But more importantly... Remember that loving people means that you are committed to doing other people good. So husbands, loving your wife means more than feeling gushy about her. Loving your wife means you do what it takes to do her good even when it costs you. Loving God means that you are committed to God's glory and God's word even when it costs you. How do you know that's what love means? Because God demonstrated his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What about being sound in steadfastness? Well, steadfastness is endurance. It is hanging in there. Literally, it's to stand up under the pressure, to stay under, to remain under. Godly older men stand Godly older men stay when other people would abandon the faith. They stay when it feels like the world has turned against the word of God. They stay with the word. Godly older men, through family crises, through, through health battles, through church disappointments, through so much more, godly older men endure and they continue on for the glory of God. Okay, let's stop and let's do a little life examination. Men, are these things true of you? I don't really care how old you are. Are you sober? Is there a seriousness? Is there a dignity in how you carry yourself? How's your self-control? How might you strengthen your faith? Would other people who know you call you loving? Not just your relatives. Do you endure hardships but stand in hope? Older men, God has a standard for you and it's more sober and it's more dignified and it's more faithful than many people imagine. It surely does not fit the frivolous way that our world portrays life. Listen to me. Especially you, career men, as you start thinking about retiring. You do not live this life for easy retirement. Neither do you live for empty entertainment. As you age, grow wise, love God, and give your years to his glory. Make sense? I didn't write it in my notes, but how many of you know the old John Piper illustration about the couple who entered retirement? Some of you know the story? He said that he read from Reader's Digest or some article about this couple. They they finished their career. They moved to Florida. They bought a boat. The husband played softball, and the wife collected seashells. Piper said, that is a tragedy. Can you imagine going to stand before the face of the Holy One, your Master, your Creator, your Lord? And He says, What did you do with the time that I gave you? And you can say to the Lord, See my shells? Aren't they neat? Did you like my boat? I don't want to put a legalistic burden on you that says you cannot enjoy yourself or collect things that are pretty or whatever. But men, make your life mean more than that. Make your years end with you serving the Lord, not with you sitting still. I would far rather die than retire. Am I saying retirement's wrong? No. Retiring from the career you're in is great. But if you retire and then do nothing with the rest of your life, it's not. Does that make sense? You figure it out between you and the Lord. Younger men, as you hear me telling the older men this stuff, you should begin seeing what you wish to become. Do not grow up to be weak. Start praying that the Lord will help you weave steel into your character through discipline, through the sanctifying grace of the Holy Spirit so that you will be sound in faith and love and in endurance. And ladies, do what you can to help these men around you grow into godly men. Now, with the scripture, let's talk to the ladies, huh? Men, you ready for us to talk to the ladies instead of you? (laughs) Older ladies, this would be point two in a list look at verses three and four older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior not slanderers or slaves to much wine they are to teach what is good and so train the young women notice by the way what's the first word that this all began with when we shifted gears to the ladies it said likewise That tells us both that we're switching categories of people and that the basic principles of the first category applies to the next. So godly ladies are to share in the same kind of godly attributes we already saw. So ladies, go ahead and start applying what we've already learned about godly older men to yourselves as well. Everything I already told the men about growing up and being sober and purposeful and disciplined, that applies to you too. But Paul, in talking to the older ladies of the church, and i have to tell you what, if I'm not going to say what older men is, I'm surely not going to tell you what older ladies are. Uh, he immediately calls older women to three major points of character. Be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. Reverent in behavior, right? That is a beautiful word. It's a very high calling. It's the only place this Greek word is used in the New Testament. But the word points to a holiness of behavior that befits a priestess in a temple. So as you grow in age, ladies, you are to grow in your holiness. As you grow in your age, you are to see that your life's purpose is to serve in the church as the temple of God and in achieving the goal of holiness godly older women are to avoid two major temptations they're to avoid slander and the use of too much wine both of which must have been a problem in Crete they are surely quite a common human problem today the word for slander in this passage it's very interesting it literally comes from the same Greek word as the word for devil Or diabolical, if you think about that in our world. Now the devil is a liar and he is an accuser of God's people. See Revelation 12.10 for that. The devil uses his words to trick people, to hurt people, to tear down God's people, to discourage people. Godly older women are to guard their lips so as to avoid that danger. If you are to be holy in your character, you can't allow yourself to fall prey to the sorts of gossip and harshness in speech that can creep into our lives way too easily. Men, this is us too. We need to watch this. The other character category for the older women is to avoid too much wine. Again, modern day, 2,000 years ago, it doesn't really matter, does it? People have always looked for ways to escape the rigors and the hardships of life. Some turn to drinking, some tur- turn to illegal drugs, some turn to legal drugs whether that's something a doctor might prescribe you, whether it's something you might buy in a weird shop on the strip. But here's the point. A godly older woman is going to be sober. and You're going to face life with a clear mind that is unencumbered by drink or unnecessary medication. I'm not saying medication is always wrong. I'm saying sometimes, sometimes people depend on medication rather than sanctification. You may need both. This reminds us the drink, the drugs, the gossip, Putting those side-by-side remind us that there's a dangerous temptation for any of us as we get older and our days become less full of required work. There's a danger as life progresses to give yourself to wine, to give yourself to idle talk. There's a danger to start using substances to change the way that you feel and to let those substances loosen your tongue so that you talk in a way you wouldn't normally talk. There's a danger as you age to think that you've got a right to give yourself a little treat little escape. There's a danger of thinking that now that you're older, you have the right to say whatever is on your mind, regardless of how hurtful, accusatory, or slandering it may be of others. Let me ask you, ladies, if you're being honest, as the years go by, doesn't it become a little bit easier to let yourself go just a little bit there? I'm going to say it. I've I've been nice all my life, and I've just about had it. God says to us all, as we age, man or woman, we need to guard our lives and guard our words. Now you likely know godly older women are supposed to be holy, they're supposed to be sober, they're supposed to be kindly spoken. Understand that that goes against our culture. Have you you noticed that our culture does not hold those attributes up as good things these days? How often does modern comedy include an old woman being nasty, ugly in her speech, drunk, even sexually suggestive? And if you say, well, yeah, that's the modern days. Y'all, that was the Golden Girls. That was the whole premise of that show. If you're old enough to know what that show is, you, fall, you probably fall into the older category, by the way. Society has determined that what God forbids in this passage is laughable. But godly older women are to be ladies of character. That's not new. But there's one phrase at the end of verse 3 and the beginning of verse 4 that ought to grab all of our attention here in the Holy Word of God. We see God call on older women in the church to teach what is good and to train the younger women Older women are to be mentors. They are to be trainers. They are to be teachers of younger women. It is God's will that older ladies develop godly character and that older ladies with godly character not keep what you've learned to yourself. It is not God's will that older ladies sit on their accomplishments and rest away the years. No, God wants older women to actively take part in the growth of the next godly generation. So will you hear this from the word of God? Older ladies, we need you. We need you. The church needs you. You are important to the body life of this congregation. Now, if you're older and you know you know Jesus, ask yourself, is my life displaying the character that God has spelled out here Are you showing holiness in your behavior? Is your speech carefully guarded from being slanderous or gossipy? Are you careful not to let your mind be cluttered with drink or substances that would make you escape reality? Are you investing with your life in the next generation of women? That last category, investing in others, by the way, that's a category that many of you ladies might want to really pray long and hard about. God's got a job for you. Many of y'all have raised your kids. We're grateful for that. But we still need you. Don't take a break. Don't quit. Please, please, godly older women, don't say, I paid my dues working in the church when I was younger. There are young women just now getting married. There are young women who've just had babies. There are young women who've never had any godly biblical teaching about what it means to be a Christian single woman or a wife or a mom. Older ladies, we need you, so please don't miss the opportunity to find a young lady to get to know her and to help her become what God has designed her to be. Friends, one of the beautiful parts of being connected to a faithful local church, of covenanting together as a body, is that we get to mingle the generations. As you age, grow in holiness. As you age, find younger Christians to mentor. Men, find younger men to help along. Women, find younger women to come alongside. And as you age, avoid the traps of sin. Avoid the allure of stepping away from ministry and living as if you can retire from the church. Avoid the allure of giving the idea of living a life that doesn't matter. Even even when your health's a problem, and I get it that not all your health will let you do what you wish you could do. I get that. But you can pray that God will give you some sort of opportunity, some way that you might encourage, show love, show caring for somebody in the church. I want to close with a a call and an illustration. Will you sit sit through one more thought with me? Still awake? I'm glad you guys in the middle are. Be a Caleb. Caleb is one of the two spies that Moses sent into the land to spy out the land just after God led Israel up out of Egypt. Y'all remember that story? Caleb and Joshua, they were the two men who they trusted God could and they, and God would give the land to the people of Israel. And God rewarded Caleb. Caleb lived a long life. Caleb and Joshua are the only two of their generation who survived the wilderness wanderings and entered the promised land. Now let me ask you, just thinking about it, wouldn't it, in your estimation, in our modern estimation, wouldn't it seem right for Caleb to cross the border, settle down, retire, and let the young people around him do the work? Does that not make sense? But when it came time to lead soldiers into the land to take possession of the portions I want you to hear and see what Caleb said to the people around him in Joshua 14, 6 through 14. Listen to this. Let your emotions go with this, okay? Then the people of Judah came to Joshua Gilgal. And Caleb, that's, that's our Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, said to him, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, in Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me? I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. By the way, don't you, wouldn't you like to be an old man, be able to say that and mean it? And Moses swore on that day saying, surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Now watch this. And now behold, Caleb says, the Lord has kept me alive just as he said. These 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke his word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day 85 years old. Would you all agree that that counts as older? I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there. Those are the giants. How the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me. And I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him and he gave Hebron. To Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Caleb followed the Lord, his God, wholeheartedly. Even when he was well past retirement age, maybe he was still in as good a shape as he said. Maybe he was exaggerating because we old folks do tend to say we can do things we can't do. But you know what? Whether he was as strong as he was when he was 40 or not, he was 85 and he didn't stop working He didn't demand relaxation and vacation for the rest of his days. He didn't ask for the easy ground. He said, do me a favor, give me the job of climbing that mountain and beating down the huge soldiers, the ones who have the strong fortified cities. And it turns out that when the book of Joshua was finished being written, Caleb was still up there getting it done. Men and women. Follow the Lord your God wholeheartedly. Trust in Jesus. Find salvation and life in his grace. Serve him faithfully, especially in the church. And do not stop just because you get older. The church needs you. Let's pray together. Father, only you know what you intend for us to all gain and hear from this word. I believe you've spoken. I surely would pray that anything I brought that is not of you, you would remove from our brains. But I also pray that you will convict, encourage, and challenge us that we might give lives that are devoted to you Not till we're 40, not till we're 50, not till we're 60, not till we're 80, but till we draw our final breath, whenever that is. Help us not, help us not to give in to this culture's determined move toward ease. But let us live for you until you bring us home or until Jesus Christ returns. We pray it in his holy name. Amen.